Joe, what do you call a deaf gynecologist? What? A lip reader. Mm. No, that's the thing that makes you go. Hmm. Why? Well, I, uh, I hope death is a woman. That way, she'll never come for me. You could have been on the Alec Baldwin roast somehow <laughs> Hey, welcome to Carnival Personnel This is Jacques Joe here And, and if you like that joke uh, Well, that's it for this week Yeah, that was the only joke <laughs> Pretty much downhill from here Joe, how, how are you, my good friend? Uh, Sexy, that's a yeah, right Yeah, and I know it <laughs> You... You might as well just take off that Coast Buster shirt because you are too sexy for that <laughs> shirt. Um, you know what somebody pointed out on Twitter about Ghostbusters is that they respected that Ray Parker Jr. did not want to, I guess, give in to the like the the push to put the word Ghostbusters into his song so much so that he never sang the word Ghostbusters. Oh. You know, he had some integrity. Other, yeah. It's yeah, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> so, anyways, go on. Uh, let's just throw it out there, you know, to begin with. Uh, Kevin Conroy looks amazing for eighty. Just looks absolutely amazing for eighty. You know, I remember months ago when you told that same line. Well, but now it might have been a year ago. Actually, <laughs> I don't know. Right. But uh, as we record this national holiday, probably more important than Christmas, uh, it is. Batman's 80th birthday, and we will not spend a lot of time talking about that because we are going to do an entire sideshow. I'm going to bore everybody, especially Joe. It will drop on Thursday. Um, did, did, you, did you have any ideas for the for the sideshow? I, you know, I did you read over my list of thoughts and 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 ramblings I plan to go off on. I like how you use the smaller font for the one-page synopsis of notes for the sideshow coming up on Batman's 80th because. You have a lot to say. I, well, you notice that the rundown for this show is a lot smaller than, than normal. Because right. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to, yeah, you know, because th- this show might be shorter than the side show. I hope so. And you know what? Uh, God closes a door but opens a window. So shorter, shorter podcast, uh, insufferable side show. <laughs> I wouldn't say insufferable. No, no, no it'll be Fun great. Topic. And No, I had no thoughts, by the way, about the 80s. I mean, I do like Batman. Um, nowhere near as much as you. So this is your Back to the Future. This is your uh, Ghostbusters. This is your Press Your Luck. You know, you are going to uh, put on the Engineer Fred cap and <laughs> drive this train known as the sideshow of Batman's 80th anniversary or birthday. You know, you consider him a real person, uh, so yes. it's a birthday. Uh, so so if you were going to off yourself this week, wait till after Thursday. You know, enjoy, you know, may, maybe it speeds up the process. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's worth holding on for. Uh, so, Joe, uh, you know, continuing the loser fest that I've kind of been on lately, uh, you know, Last week, two weekends ago, we spent a lot of time. We watched a lot of old programs, like last week. Last week after I left here, yeah, it was Saturday. I went home. Management was working an overnight. I got caught up watching a series of 1930 football movies. Oh, like um, I don't know any 1930s football ne- ne- movies. Neither would I. I. I bring that up. You know, I, I wasn't sure to talk about now and TV and sport. Um, it was all they were all on TN, 
Uh, Turner T- Movie Classic. TCM. TCM, thank you. Uh, I can't. One of them was called uh, Gridiron. Was it Gridiron Flash? I wrote it down. Gridiron Flash from 1937. And they talked the, the pre-movie, the pre-movie law of talk, a little history of it. And it's true. It's like back then, they used to make lots of wrestling movies or football movies. And they were really low budget, like kind of just crank them out type thing. And they talked about how unimportant the football aspect of the football movies were. Cause, and I actually said that recently. Like, how many bad football quarterbacks are there? And it looks like they're just... Eh. Yeah, didn't we mention that last week in our brief synopsis of the Dennis DeYoung video yes. where they were playing uh, skins versus shirts in a backyard uh, situation of football in the video, and Dennis DeYoung didn't exactly look like... <laughs> Um, Tom Brady. He looked more like Marsha Brady. <laughs> and so the guy from, you know, Turner Movie Classics, we was describing it, said, you know, you look at the guy's face, and Gridiron Flash, um, it, there was a college football, it was co- it was all college football back then. College football ruled day. We know the NFL is celebrating its 100th year. College football was the end all and be all. You know, um, and in, in some respects, it still is. And this guy, clearly an actor, you're not an athlete, probably five, six. And I will post a, a screen grab uh, of his face because as he was describing, he was more Jerry Lewis than Jerry Rice. And it wasn't a comedy. You know, this guy was uh, in prison and somebody at the school got him out because they needed to win games and, you know, it was kind of a con and, you know, all that. But when he calls it Jerry, Jerry Lewis, it's like, wow, it's, I think Jerry Lewis stole this guy's bit. <laughs> and then the really interesting one, it was called Saturday's Hero. The whole premise of the movie, and it is fascinating because we've talked about this. So this is 1938, this one. I think it's 1938. And the premise of the movie was a big college football star got busted because he was scalping. He got every player got 10 free tickets to a game and he was scalping them for 10 bucks, you know, to to live on. Mm-hmm. And the school, you know, he got thrown out and it was a big scandal and, you know, the authorities involved. And he wanted to bring the system down. Like his whole and he gives this impassioned argument. He's talking to like the dean and the football coach, and he was like, hey, college football is a huge business. College football, keep in mind, 1938, brings in $40 million a year. Everybody's getting rich. The the radio, the, the, the stadiums where there's 100,000 people there, and the schools, the coaches, everybody is making money. And the, don't forget the uh, pom-pom manufacturers and the oh. megaphone manufacturers. Big, big money. Uh, it's funny because uh, All-Star Tommy is taking me to UCLA game, and they still have the old, like they have a guy in the old uniform with one of those yeah, megaphones. Yeah, the, the, the megaphones with a handle attached yep. to it. Yep, yep. And, and, and you know the guy has to try out an audition for that part. He looks like Lyle Landley <laughs> from <laughs> the monorail episode. And it, 100%, that is what it is. But he's going off about how everybody is making money except the players who are the ones getting hurt 
And as soon as they get hurt, the college turns their back on it. You know, sure, you know, some of the guys are on scholarships, but it doesn't cost you money to not charge them to come to these classes. They're in classrooms with 200 people. What's, you know, what's another warm body in the room? But the schools are, and he's going off on how many people are making money. You know, here it is truly 80 years later, and now college football, as I just mentioned, as big as the NFL is, it is not the NCAA. The NCAA dwarfs the NFL. I mean, there are 32 NFL teams. I do not know how many NCAA Division I schools there are, but I know there's a football game. There's five hours of football games on four different channels every Saturday. What do you think is more corrupt <clears throat> and a larger of an organization? And this is, I'll give you three options. The NCAA, the, um, the Olympic Committee, and FIFA. Like, what do you think? You know, those are like that's the uh, the holy trinity of evil, you know, sports organizations. What do you think is the most corrupt and over? Without a doubt, NCAA, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Um, with FIFA, at least the athletes are paid and 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 very well known and treated great for for the most part. And, you know, if they're not being murdered by their own governments. Right, or, or their fan base is for an own goal, like they were in Colombia back in what was that eighty yeah, eight or, right. or ninety two or something like yeah. that. No, but the NCAA, it, it, it's true, it, it, and then you got shitholes. This was a big conversation the past week where Tim Tebow was, you know, on ESPN arguing against players getting paid. It's like he came from a really, really rich family. He's doing incredibly well, and he's somebody who hasn't played college football in 10 years. The Florida Gators, you know, are a big program. I don't know. They play in front of 60, 80,000 people, you know, six, seven home games a year, whatever. I guarantee you the Tim Tebow jersey sold at Gator games this year is the second, third highest sold one. You know, it's like like Bobby Orr is still a huge jersey. <laughs> Larry Bird's a huge jersey. All this stuff. And he doesn't get any money for that. And but you go down all the other players. I mean, it is true. There's at least three, four times as many Div 1 schools, you know, and I'm not going to go down the whole litany of it. But the fact that these players still do not get any compensation. And, yeah, in the old days, in 1938, when it was bringing in $40 million, you know, uh, a year, they bring in more than $40 million every single week. You know, you think about somebody like Michigan State. I think they play in front of 110,000 people, you know, and even if there wasn't national TV, but there are national TV a half a dozen times a year. And their coach, Harbaugh, he gets somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 million a year. Literally $10 million a year to coach kids who are getting, uh, let's carry the one, zero, zero. You know, um, you mean a fine education is more like it. I don't mean a fine. <laughs> I said Michigan, right? All right, <laughs> but but it but seriously, it was just you know that's another topic for another day. But it's sad that here's this movie eighty years ago talking about what a problem it is. That's before TV. You know, that's yeah. before you know all of these things. That's before. Selling jerseys, selling players' jerseys, or EA Sports using your character and your number and, and you and games that you don't get paid for. That's before McFarland toy lines and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the more things change, the more evil stays the same. So, yeah. I mean, the U and I, I honestly think uh, FIFA and the U.S. Olympic, or not the U.S. Olympic. The, the, oh, I see. Yeah. The Olympic. Uh, I think their heyday is over. 
And, and let me tell you why I think that. And I think FIFA as well. Like the last time that FIFA and the Olympics announced the, the city that it was going to be at, they announced two simultaneously for like eight years in the future and then 12 years in the future because they figured, oh, if this country doesn't get this bid, they might pull out the next time, but we'll award them because they know fewer and fewer cities and countries are applying because – uh, you know, and, and again, I think this is one of those things where investigative reporting and the internet, I mean, and, and people do those different specials about Olympic cities and FIFA cities two, three, ten years after they've been there. I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's Atlanta uh, or, or if it's Brazil or wherever it is. You built these stadiums, you built these extra roads, you built these hotels. I, I've been talking about since we started this podcast. What Qatar is spending to get ready for for you know for the World Cup in 2022, and the expectations after it, they truly believe that people are going to come there in droves, fall in love with it, and it's going to become this tourist destination. That is their whole thing. At the same time, you know, the Middle East as a whole, you know, uh, is getting more and more uninhabitable because of climate change. It is crazy. It is expected, you know, within like the next 50 years for temperatures, you know, there to make it uninhabitable for people to live. Uh, so the billions and billions and billions that tiny country is spending, they're building five stadiums. They There will not be a need for one. I, and I mean that. There will never – those that those 60,000, 70,000 seat, you know, air-conditioned dome stadiums that they're building – I can envision because they're not going to get the Olympics because of so many reasons, because of the scandal that went into them getting the World Cup and the bribery and the grifting and, and the deaths with the workers. They are not going to get an Olympic. And if they do, it wouldn't be for another 12, 16, 20 years. So literally we're looking at, you know. Yeah, like we need because the Olympics want to work with more honorable countries like uh, China and Russia who don't have – um, what? Good point. Very, very, <laughs> very, very, very good point. But uh, yeah, so so few and fewer people are bidding. The NCAA, look, 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 stop talking about football altogether. Basketball, just women's basketball and the TV money that women's college basketball. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I've worked a bit with, with the WNBA and a friend of mine runs the, the Connecticut Suns. I actually think they're now the Mohegan Suns. I'm not really sure, but they play out of the Mohegan. Anyways, they're in the semifinals, and I actually might be dragged down to a game next week. They play in front of like, you know, five, 6,000 people a game, which is great. Yeah. But it's these, not the same number. Wait, well, some of these women who played at UConn, mm-hmm. you know what right. I mean? Are, are playing. Yeah, they are. They played in front of tens of thousands. Correct. Yeah. And, and the TV numbers for the women's final four, you know, versus, you know, the WNBA, I mean, well, I'll just put it like this. The the WNBA is sometimes on NBA TV, and it's on ESPN2. I will give you $20 right now, Joe, and without looking, <laughs> you can tell me on your cable where NBA TV is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I think I could find it. Can I, can I list the channels in alphabetical order? Yeah. So that's... Uh, so, yeah, so I would say the NCAA because the Olympic Committee and, and FIFA, it's every four years they're raking people over the coal. I mean, yeah, they're corrupt organizations. Yep. But 
we're talking, you know, tens of tens of thousands of, you know, collegiate athletes getting screwed over by the NCAA every day. And and then the rules, and, and, you know, welcome uh, for turning into sports <laughs> broadcasting here. But, you know, and we talked about this, you know, a college coach goes to recruit somebody, says, you know, Joe, come to come to our program. It's suited for your, you know, your quarterback and blah blah blah. And we run an NFL offense, and it's going to be great. And I want to. You're my guy, and blah blah blah. And you're be starting by your sophomore year. This, that, the other thing. You know, the coach brings you in. You know, whatever happens your first year. You know, he he's grooming you to take over the program, and then in the off season, he goes from making ten million dollars to making twelve million dollars somewhere else. Just walks out of the system. You can't follow him. You can't, and the next coach might come in and have a completely different program, go with a runoff, whatever. You can't get up and go to another school. You have to sit out for a year. You have to transfer to the school, go to that school for a year. It's called redshirting, and then you can play. So you have to give up a year of your life where this guy can just walk out and, you know, well, $10 million is enough for me. I'm going to go make $12 million over there, and even though I made you all these promises – I can make more money. So I'm going to say the NCAA is the most corrupt. Tommy and Maynard, you're on the air. <laughs> you, you were so waiting. I waiting, was. Waiting, waiting. <laughs> so, I wasn't listening at all to what I, you were saying the last two minutes. There was nothing I was saying. Important. Uh, so, so how did your boss take you striking yesterday? <laughs> you, you were part of the climate strike, yes? I was, yeah. I got in my van and I <laughs> drove. Air yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to take a nap in a vehicle, you got to have the AC running. So I, I had seen, and I've seen a, a bunch of people like verifying it. This girl, Greta, um, the, this climate champion. She's like 16. She's awesome. Has uh, Asperger's. She, she started the climate strike last year. Her. Right. It was like her in a sign. In what, what what country is she from? Uh, the one over there, overseas, not here. But you can take a sailboat here. Is America? Scanda, Scanda, <laughs> Scanda European <laughs> nation. You don't know. Ishki, right. You know. One of them white countries. Right, one right. of those nice countries. Yeah, that not Trump a shithole. Yeah, the, 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 the preferred uh, immigrant country. But, uh, but it had a side-by-side. So last year it was her. This year, in the same place, there was... You know, over a hundred thousand people, and it is one of those things where truly uh, every day seems to get uh, worse than within the last. And you know, the it's always darkest before the dawn. It's fucking pretty dark right now. But you take the awfulness of Parkland and see these the the kids like you know Emma Gonzalez and and, and David Hogg and what they've done and what they continue to do. And then you got this girl, Greta. It does give you hope that, you know, somebody out there is kicking the darkness, making it bleed daylight. So shines a good deed in a weary world. <laughs> Greta Thunberg, by the way. I just looked it up. So, yeah. It, it's impressive. Yeah, she is a very impressive person. Um, and I, I'm glad that there were millions of people around the world taking to the streets, making their voices heard, making their presence known. That they're not going to take climate change sitting down in their air-conditioned apartments. <laughs> Stop it. Be nice. But hopefully that means something voting around the world because this, this rise of, of, of nationalism and fascism mm. isn't just here. Oh, God. It, it's, it's, it's 
crippling Europe. We might talk about this later in TV because I just watched The Great Hack. On right, Netflix. right, which you which you asked me to watch, which it's about it's a, it's the Cambridge Analytica movie essentially, and uh, or as I like to call it, the Gentleman to Evil the movie. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bad. Long story short, Cambridge Analytica uh, didn't start in the U.S. and Brexit. They were doing that type of stuff way back for almost like a decade. Uh, basically, seeing what they could do to um, affect, you know, change, not so much on like a geopolitical level, but it's more of like, these are our services. We've stolen, you know, all of this data, uh, all of this, all these data points from social media, aka Facebook, and we know exactly how to persuade the undecideds, they called them. And so they would do this sort of uh, they would pitch these services to political groups around the world in like smaller third world countries or you know developing countries and basically testing grounds you know I forget what the countries were or which countries they kind of started in but um, you know you would see like these more conservative movements start in other parts of the world and then finally when they knew they got the hang of it they're like okay now let's try the US and England um, but it's worth a watch. Successful. I might not even talk about it. It's it's too depressing. But watch the great hack on Netflix. But, but thanks for texting me the other night, telling me, "Hey, watch this." Is well, you're pretty depressed. Yeah. This will really no. I knew you. No, you were riding high on the um, the Antonio Brown saga. Oh God, we we we, we will get into that. Yeah, later. I know. We're, we're I'm jumping ahead. I'm teasing you. But I do want to say that it's like I am. Impressed with these kids who it do, it does give you hope because you know we're going to get into the awful and ev- every day it does seem to get worse and I don't think I'm exaggerating you know the 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 march the march to you know the march to dystopia is you know we're, we're it's a sprint it's not a march it's a full out sprint question and this is picking up uh this is picking up steam why and I don't know the answer why is DC not a state. I don't know. It's been, you know, it's like one of those things where for years, and by years, I mean 100 years, it's been why is Quebec not its own country? You know, it's like that, that's gone back and forth. But it, there's now this new push because D.C., people in D.C. can't vote. It, it is truly, you know, finally people are, the bumper stickers are coming out and, and the new rallying cry is it's taxation without representation. If you live in D.C., you pay federal income taxes. You pay, you know, property taxes and all these things. But it is truly taxation without representation. I wonder if it's because when Washington, did, I mean, the first, well, the nation's capital changed so many times. You know, a right. handful of times. It was in New York and in Buffalo, or whatever. Atlanta and Philadelphia. Right. There was a time where Buffalo wasn't just a shithole of nothing. <laughs> and I think I'm guessing Buffalo. I think Buffalo. If I'm. I'm my memory served me correctly. It was once the capital of the United States, but <laughs> but um, it landed on DC. And I think maybe they didn't incorporate it as part of. The, they wanted to keep it independent of the states because right. it was this, the capital of the of the country. And most people worked in DC. Like nobody lived in DC. They 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 just you know they 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 worked in Virginia and Maryland and stuff. And they they just all met in DC. And then. They said, "Oh, hey, there's real estate here. Maybe we should build something." And then they built houses. But I don't know. Well, what's interesting is it's been talked about off and on for 
years. Now there's a real push for it. And I think the push is coming from the left because truly, we've talked about this so many times, there are states out there that no matter what happens are going to be as red as red can be. And why? Why do the Wyoming senators have as much power as, as you know, Kamala Harris? You know, and, and from from California. California that, has well. Then that the whole point of the Senate is this sort of like that. That's the whole thought process about the Senate is or, that, originally right. Yeah, is that every state has equal representation regardless of its of its population on in one house. You know, of the of the bicameral Congress. Right, but but the whole but it, it's been so perverse. You know that the fact that honestly. You you have you have a state like California, and I'm I, I'm not going to look it up, but I know it has over forty million people. Wyoming has five hundred thousand people, and so if there is, you know, well, you know, with like with like a climate change thing, if California really wants to move ahead and get federal dollars to start fighting climate because they're a coastal state, the entire you know, I, <laughs> it's the longest state. I uh, maybe Texas. Maybe Texas or Florida, I should be careful. But I think California probably has the most coastline, you know, in the country. Global warming and sea rise, you know, affects them more than any other state. Why should the, you know, the two senators from Wyoming be able to hold up, you know, funding or be able to hold back? It's one of those things where if there's 300 and, you know, what, let's round up to 400 million people in this country. And, you know, the representation People representing 300 million of those people are are beholden to people in Wyoming, in Iowa, in Montana, right. and, and stuff like that. It's like the one person on Twitter that can get a guy fired from Saturday Night Live. The one, right? <laughs> that, that's that's actually pretty. That's actually pretty good. But that's so so. Oh, did we just cut out? No. Did you cut out? Yeah, I don't hear anything. Oh, I, I hear me just fine. I don't know. Well, you should hear testing. Oh, there you. we go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's your cord. Um, I've been telling you to cut the court, Joe. Cut the court. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have a situation where Washington D.C., like I said, seven hundred and fifty thousand people. Wyoming has two hundred thousand less. You know, and you know the pushback from the left to not make it a state is. I'm pretty sure D.C. would go. You know, uh, would 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 put two two senators. Uh, from the Blue Isle, you know, column in and there. Why isn't Puerto Rico a state? You know, why isn't uh, Greenland a state? You know, these are the questions. <laughs> oh, it will be. Mm-hmm. It will be. And it's funny you mentioned in Wyoming because, yes, Wyoming is the most, like, arid, desolate, you know, spot in the United States. Next sign, 50 miles. Right. I keep thinking about, there was a joke on, of all things, Garfield and Friends when I was growing up. <laughs> and they were doing some sort of, like geography lesson or something like that and they go um they mentioned wyoming which in navajo means no state here <laughs> so it's funny it's a i think it's funny didn't get the laughs oh, he was i like he was too busy eating i'm sorry here. this guy doesn't eat enough because he's too busy talking here i'm the one munching down though no chips. i like here, here here's, here's my first stop <laughs> there are literally if there's 400 million people in this country there's 300 million podcast. This is the only one that references Garfield and Friends. Period. At the end. And, and I'm glad we do. It's what distinguishes us from the rest. It's what raises listened? the cream to the top. It's, Have you actually seen an episode of Garfield and Friends? 
Funny show. The Funny best. show. The best. Funny he, show. He really likes lasagna. Yeah. He re- really he likes does. lasagna. He does. Hates Mondays. Right. Hates. Who doesn't? You I know? hate Mondays. That's when a podcast drops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that that, that happens because, you know, and, and of course they're going to push back because, you know, it's DC is largely black and it's largely uh, going to not be want, Republican. Hmm. Let's see. An area of the United States that, you know, can't have registered voters. Technically, where can we put all the undesirable people that if you're if you know, if you're a racist white, you know, a legislator or somebody, where would you want all the non-white people to be living where they can't vote? Hmm. That's a Just, thing that makes you go. Hmm. So you know, maybe maybe this is a good time to segue into this. So this past February, you know, each week during Black History Month, we decided to do a little segment. Last last year, we you know talked about a different like you know African American comedian leader. Com- yeah, it was a comedian that year. Um, and, and but but this year we did our. Uh, blackface in History Month and did a different thing. Uh, turns out we forgot a couple, w- w- one person. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, your thoughts on this week in Blackface History Month? Um, you're talking about Justin Trudeau, the prime minister or president? Was he prime minister? Prime minister of Canada. Crazy handsome. Yes. I mean, did you see the the look, the the thirsty look that Ivanka gave him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that photo went around so virally, I thought that, you know, that they were sleeping with each other at some point, it, 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 you know. Ser- seriously. Uh, uh, yeah, she, she basically blew him in a picture. Right. Um, but yeah, so Justin Trudeau, it turns out, in 2001, had put on brown face to dress up as Aladdin for some party. And then, um, you know, he came out, or it, it had come out, the photo circulated online. I like, there is a color photo, I think. It's a color photo, right? The term is African-American, Joe. Well, it's Canada, <laughs> so no. And, and, it's, and it's Arabic, so two for, oh, for two. Yeah, over oh, two. Um, but I think, I thought I saw a color photo of it, but then later I saw a much darker black and white photo of it, which made it look even blacker of blackface. But anyway, so that circulates... And uh, he apologizes. But then he's asked, now, are you certain that this is the only time that you would ever put on blackface publicly? And he goes, well, there is just one more thing. Okay, two more things. <laughs> so what, what, I, I didn't follow up on... Uh, yeah, well, uh, in Canada, the, the election cycle isn't very long. You know, it's only like a four-month window. There's no two... I mean, honestly... Whoever becomes the president, you know, starts their re-election campaign about 15, 20 minutes after the inauguration. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Senate. Same thing with Congress. That's why there should be more term limits because people spend more time running. How about some political uh, – How about, I mean, how about some um, – some, what do you call it? Uh, some limits on when you can start campaigning. Right, right. And so that's, well, that's what they have. So then it's, it's only like a four-month window. So this isn't going to blow over. You know what I mean? It's not. Um, I listened to him. I uh, forget where I was, but I, I caught the whole press conference live on the radio. 
he was very apologetic, said, like, literally didn't make excuses, didn't say it was this. Uh, you know, he said all the things that you would want somebody to say, that he really didn't see what was wrong with it at the time, that he's become more woke and the society has become more woke. And, and we've talked about this. You know, Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that would always do Carl Malone, um, Saturday Night Live, uh, Billy, Crystal. Billy Crystal and stuff like that. And, and would always do it with black actors. You know what I mean? It's like Billy Crystal played always was a Negro League baseball player. And whoever the black guy on Saturday Night Live at the time would be in because he's done a couple of these skits. You I know. think there was a near a year where Billy Crystal was the black guy on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and so you know, it, it was. It, and you know, and I and I've talked about this. I've done a skit a similar where honestly it's just I wrote a great I thought what I wrote was a great skit. I still think it's a great skit. Um a, a Siamese twin, one was black, one was white, one you know, that the head was one with head was white, one was black and and it is. It's like what was the name of that character? Uh, Mel. One one brother was Mel, and the other one was Otto. So together, Otto Mel. Mel Otto. Oh yes. <laughs> so it was Mel Otto. Um, the black guy. What one of the skits? Um, the the white part of the body was pissed because he didn't make the basketball team, but his brother did. Um, uh, and my favorite one is which one like watermelon? It's you know <laughs> that's racist, Joe. Just because the black guy could dance and the white guy couldn't. I don't like where this is going. Uh, no, but I'm or just where saying. It went. Where it went. Well, that's the thing. It's at the time. It's like all these other shows did it. I didn't see anything huge wrong. You know, I didn't. And now I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should have probably put out more ads for black actors to play that role. Um, and so it's one of those things where Justin Trudeau comes out and he's like, times have changed. And I can see I've worked really hard to support people who have been marginalized. People I've hurt the people I've spent my entire political career trying to help the most. And I can see how this would really hurt. And I'm truly sorry. Uh, but he didn't he didn't apologize in a way or make excuses for it. He said it was wrong. I was wrong. And the press kept pressing him. And they're like, Well, the first thing came out and you apologized, and then two more came out, and now you're apologizing. And is this it or something else? And he honestly said, he goes, I remembered, you know, two of those times. It wasn't until I saw the other picture. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot that party at that time. Um, management had pointed out she completely buys it from him. The problem is if there's a problem, he was 29. So he was older. You know, it wasn't a college thing or it wasn't a high school thing. And I get it. It's like, look, if you if you want to go as – a mermaid to a party. If you want to go as a black character, you can be Samuel L. Jackson from um, you. You can be. Uh, 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 I, I was first. I was going to say, you know. Um, hey, wh- I think I know why you. You, by the way, I can. I'm going to defend you here, please. I know why you thought it was okay to dress up in, I guess, deep purple face to play a, uh, a, a an African American character on television. You grew up about the same time as me, but, you know, a couple of years in difference, in the Be Like Mike era of Michael Jordan, Be Like Mike. (laughs) I think you took the message a little too literally. You you are truly my Rudy Giuliani. You will explain away. Right. 
to your heart's content. Of course I asked him to investigate Joe Biden. Only doing more damage in the apology for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's so so it's interesting how it will pan out. And, and if um, I hope it goes away because let's let's stop it already. Let's stop this now. We all know that these type look, we know that there are good people who are doing righteous things, who are doing the work for the common good in government that people on the opposition or even people who are have no stake no stake in the game are going to want to take them down because they are you know in a position of power uh, and also people want to be held to some sort of the, again this reverse retroactive standard right you know it's like you talked about Patton Oswalt you know uh, Patton Oswalt commenting about a play that no, took place. Yeah, he saw a movie from like 1959 that took place in 1859. Right. And how like they, they, their standard, they were applying 1959 standards or whatever, or they were not being politically correct, but because that's the way it was in 1859. Yeah, there was these women who, he went to a screening. It was a big retro thing in Hollywood. And these women are like, oh, sure, the women folk are just going to clear the table and go do the dishes while the men folk talk. Like, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was bad. And it was what it was. It bad. Right. It was, was bad. It bad or was it was? You know, it was, it was what bad. it was. It, I mean, it was bad, but it, 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 was, it was generally acceptable by the male, who, by the men who ran. But what I'm getting my, my point is this, is that if Justin Trudeau, he's not Roy Moore. He's not a guy who is still of the mindset that he where you know he would still want to lure a young girl. He's still a segregationalist. Yeah. Like Roy Moore wants segregation. Right. These are people like these are people that you want to take down. These are people that you want to get the gotcha for. You know that, that you want and also not not to only expose things of theirs from the past, but to shine light on the person that they are still are today. Now this this Justin Trudeau thing, yeah, it's, it's, it makes a good picture if you're going to want to take down somebody uh, like like him, but at this, it doesn't doesn't do anything. It doesn't do any good. Like I don't understand why you. What's the end game for those who want to see him fail? You know, like why would even if even if even people who are on his side. Right. You know, why right. would why would you want to like? Oh well, now he can't be our prime minister because he did something bad that has nothing to do with the person he is today, and he's also doing things actively, you know, for the for the good of people who he might have offended at the time. You know what I mean? So well, it's just like know, Justin Trudeau is out there fighting for the people of the First Nation, fighting for you know. African Canadians. I don't know the, yeah. the term, but I guess we'll go with that. Well, I don't even know that. My one black friend from Canada is from Jamaica, so you know right. whatever. Black, so the black community. He's yeah. fighting for the black community. Maybe he did something stupid twenty years ago. Right. He did something stupid twenty he years did. ago. He did something not stupid. He did something insensitive. Yeah. twenty years right. ago. The other side is actively burning crosses on those people's lawn today. So they're saying, "Oh, you know, vote for me." Because I'm going to really be awful to you, you know, and so it is, but don't, it's not a Canadian thing. You can't turn on MSNBC or the Huffington Post who are attacking Joe Biden or CNN, attacking Joe Biden every day. 
and whoever the front runner is, you and I and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Over the span of like three weeks, the Huffington Post leadoff story was attacking Cory Booker, and the next day attacking Bernie, and the next day attacking Elizabeth Warren, and they want to do the. Well, we're, we, we are fear and balance. We're going to hold our side as accountable as the other side. Fuck you. You know, Fox, that's what Fox News is doing. Fox News isn't tearing down Trump, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, any of those people. You know, your job isn't to – Corn Lewandowski is fucking on CNN all the time. He just what he just testified this week. I'm jumping ahead. Testified this week in Senate and, and was called out for lying on – CNN. And he said, I don't have an obligation to be honest with the media. And then CNN has him to follow up his comment. You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck you. CNN, fuck you. CNN, they hired Corey Lewandowski about a week after the Trump campaign had fired him, which was about two weeks after he was brought in for questioning by the Florida police for manhandling a female CNN reporter. He literally roughed up, like pushed her out of the way, and not by accident. It was on camera. It was all these stuff. It didn't raise to the level of assault, according to the state of you know Florida. Surprise, surprise. But here he is manhandling, like verbally attacking, and then pushing a CNN female reporter. Two weeks later, after getting fired by the Trump campaign, they hire him as a correspondent. What the fuck are you doing? So this whole thing is like, why would the Canadian you know, press that might be more left-leaning be attacking him as hard as the right side. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, we're journalists. We have integrity. We have our job to do. It's like, dude. You're grabbing headlines. Do, do, do you want a fucking, you, do you want Trump running your country? Yeah. Do you want the, do you want, uh, you know, Brexit? Boris Johnson. You know? I mean, yeah. 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 Bolsonaro from Brazil, like those types of assholes. And you know what? Probably, yeah, there might be some, you know, you got to consider the sources of these things. Well, without a doubt. And, and Canada is. So if you read CBC News, because I go to that sometimes, you listen to CBC Radio, I have a lot of Canadian friends. It's a lot more conservative than most people think. If they didn't have the healthcare system that that they have for the last 50, 60 years, they couldn't get it put in today. They would have the same pushback that we are having now. It's just so unwoven, like four or five generations in, you couldn't possibly take it away now. But believe me. Like, like the right here is trying to take away Medicare and Medicaid and, you know, cut back on the social safety nets. They're trying to chip away different things in Canada as well. But it wouldn't be in place today if it wasn't. You know, and a lot – seriously, a lot of my Canadian friends who are here are here because of that reason. You know, the, a, a lot of – you know, a lot of – you don't see a lot of guys who finished their career with the L.A. Kings – Moving back, you know, after you, you don't. I mean, it's it. You know, if they can stay, you know, they do. But uh, but yeah. So that was that. What else? So we talked a little bit about the Rudy Giuliani thing. So the worst part of the story isn't really Giuliani. That is the funny, awful part of the story. But the fact that a whistleblower isn't coming out months later, you know, filed filed a grievance right away, and the the oversight committee, the attorney general. Say yeah, this is really bad, and now it's being blocked from Congress. Which the Inspector General, the Inspector General, yeah. Congress wants the material from the Inspector General, and it's being held up by the Department of Justice. It is in the Constitution, and, and literally, you know, I remember seeing all these like Republicans who always like brag about having a laminated 
constitution on them that they can always refer to. You zoom into it, it's only the Second Amendment. <laughs> Another ground rule double by Joe. Pretty fucking awesome. But he... Uh, but literally, they when I say they shit on the Constitution every single day except the Second Amendment, it's 100% true. It is, you know, the Emoluments Clause, you go down the list. But Congress, 100%, you know, not only has a right to this information, they have an obligation for this information. You know, they're not investigating these things, you know, just because he's an awful person and they hate him. They are legally obligated. This is what their fucking job is. The Department of Justice, truly, we have no more, you know, the, the, the executive branch, the Supreme Court, and the Senate, and the Justice Department, it's all one unit. It is all, they are a crime syndicate whose holy job is to protect Trump, period, the end. There is nothing else that the Department of Justice does, that the Senate does, that the Supreme Court does. It is 100% run to protect this imbecile. Um, so it came out that, yeah, you know, and we, and we had talked about that on the show, that the Congress that allocates where money goes, allocated money to go to the Ukraine, and it never went, and, and Trump wouldn't send the money. He vetoed, send, oh, it did, you know, just wouldn't send it, just wouldn't authorize sending it. It was a bipartisan thing that passed. It wasn't sending, and people were like, what the fuck? It was voted on. That's our job. Send them the fucking money. Right. And now it turns out that, yes, he was using it as leverage to get them to be part of his political crime syndicate. Yeah. And, yeah. And we're also talking about the the, the, the part of the, <clears throat> the whistleblower thing was that he – that Trump apparently, when speaking to the president of Ukraine, um, asked him to see if he could do anything to investigate uh, Joe Biden's son. Was it Bo? No, not Bo. No, Bo's the one no, that died. Bo died. Um, but eight times he asked. Right. Because he had worked, I guess, during during Biden's vice presidency, his son had worked for a Ukraine-owned company or something like that. You know. And uh, But yeah, it's a, it's a weird, wild stuff happening out there. But, but Rudy Giuliani goes on national TV, and, and he's had his fucking meltdown moments. But, yeah, they're called national TV appearances. In <laughs> 30 seconds, he screams at Chris Cuomo that, of course, you know, he didn't do this. Only after, fair, fair being fair, only after he denied um, d- denied uh, saying that uh, the president asked Joe Biden or that he, he asked um, the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden. So he denied it, and then Chris Cuomo pushed him on it. And he said, well, yeah, I asked him, you know, we asked him to do that, to investigate Joe Biden. Of course Biden. I did. Yeah. Right. And it, 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 I, don't know. I don't understand how he's not arrested on the spot. You just admit it to treason. Yeah. You just admit it to treason. Well, you know, um, kid, I own the police. Yeah. That's Biff from Back to the Future. So, so it's awful. Uh, last week, you corrected me. I, it was last week, the week before... During one of the debates, how ABC ran an ad of AOC, you know, face being burnt and behind him with this this awfulness, and you're like, no, no, that wasn't ABC. It was a Sinclair network, and it was just one or a few stations on that. It wasn't ABC per se. Um, I semi retracted my fuck you, ABC, but I can't. I can't. They have Dances with the Stars, and this whole normalization of Sean Spicer, who 
we, <laughs> the biggest pe- no no I mean Huckleberry Sanders she he, she she you know it was like we will never have a worse spokesperson than Sean Spicer. <laughs> Hold my bag of Kentucky Fried Chicken, says. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Senator Sanders. I was going to say, hold my beer, but right, you know. yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, tremendous woman, and um, and so yeah, so he's on Dancing with the Stars, and fuck, every time I went to Twitter and I saw this like one clip with him wearing this bright lime green suit and stuff, it's like, why are you normalizing? Why is he? I mean, it's honestly, I cannot believe these words. I'd rather see a Kardashian, somebody famous for being famous, some piece of shit who's just famous for being an awful person. He's famous for truly lying to the fucking country's face um, and being a big piece of shit. Well, that's ABC appealing to the conservative base. Not base, but conservative viewers. And that sort of also ties into the SNL hiring of of Shane Gillis, who was just fired not even you know before even you know stepping into the writer's room he was fired because they found out that Shane Gillis had said some you know pretty shitty things about Asians and stuff on a podcast but they hired him because they wanted to get more conservatives watching Saturday Night Live admittedly that's kind of what the, the, the point was to hiring Shane Gillis because he's kind of like a right of center guy stand-up comedian Tells it like it is, you know, kind of guy. And, yeah, there's, like, there is an audience for that. And, you know, I listen to some of those people on on uh, satellite radio tangentially, you know, like the, the Jim Norton's kind of thing. You know, Jim Norton's a little little right of center of that, but you know what I mean? Shane Gillis is probably even further right than right. that. But getting back to the Sean Spicer um, booking, they've done that for years, ABC's Dancing with the Stars, because, yeah, they they get, you know, the gay one. They get the... The, the hot model, they get the, they, you know, they're filling in all the blanks. They get the conservative, and it's, but the thing about the conservative person is that inherently the conservative person they get is despised by most of the rest of the country because of what they've done to achieve that, 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 that fame. Like Tucker Carlson was on Dancing with the Stars, Tom DeLay was on Dancing with the right. Stars. You know, they had like these, I, I, I maybe, it was Bristol Palin, I think, on Dancing yes. with the Stars? Do you know what I mean? So there is always going to be the... the re- flaming piece of shit. The flaming piece of shit, because inherently, if you're a conservative and you're famous for being a conservative, you're a flaming piece of shit. But for some reason, Dancing with the Stars and ABC want that number. It's, it's a numbers game. It's a fucking business. And... That's their way of saying, well, we're not playing favorites. We're not uh, a totally liberal thing. You know, we'll hire Roseanne Barr until she says some wacky fucked up thing. You know, they they had Tim Allen on, you know, like Last Man Standing was his show that came on recently. You know, but like they, they, they've always had their toe in the conservative waters because there's an audience there. Like they're not stupid. They're not going to just say, well, we don't want that kind of... Honestly, they don't, they don't want overt white supremacy. And yeah, Sean Spicer... He's as close as you get. Sean Spicer, I mean, honestly, if you look back at what he said and how he how he lied to the people, yes, despicable. But it almost paled in comparison to what, like you said, Sarah Huckabee Sanders did. And, um, but, be, I, I don't know, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, you can say fuck you, ABC, but they also, you know, they also own... Um, they, I, I, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how far you want to take it with ABC being accountable for putting on conservative people. No, I, I know they're they're. Giant. I mean, the fuck. I mean, you, you, well, you can say fuck you NFL. You can say fuck you I do. Disney every day. You can say yeah. <laughs> you can say fuck you. I mean, there's so many things you can say fuck you about. Um, but can we yeah, just focus on. How much I hate him. Right, exactly. You can, how about this? How fuck, about I start watching fuck the show? You, fuck you, Dancing with the Stars. Thank you. Well, I, I'm going to start watching <laughs> just so I can stop watching the show because he's on it. Is that with that? Because I've never watched the uh, show. Right. Well, you know, back in the old days, do you know, do you know what uh, Dancing with the Stars replaced? I don't. Monday Night Football. Oh, wow. That's right. That's when it bumped over to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. Because, you know, they got the male audience on Monday Night Football, got the female audience on Dancing with the Stars. So I didn't... And, well, the non-sports audience. My, my last my last um, thing of awful this week, I didn't even tell you this. I don't know what's going to happen, Joe, but it looks like the President of the United States has just taken... Hmm, I'll say, I'm not really supposed to talk about this, but it's just taken fifty to $75,000 out of my pocket. Yeah. The event that I've been working on every day for the last six plus months, this event in Saudi, um, everybody wants to pull out. Nobody wants to go over there now because we're sending troops. It was so hard to get people to go. It's three weeks from this past Thursday that I'm supposed to be on a plane going over. And yeah. So this not time sure. it's personal. This it, it, literally, I mean, he, his, his, Raising the, I mean, hitting all the alarms and doing all this stuff and saying we're going to send troops and saying we're sending, you know, on one hand, he's holding up military aid to the Ukraine because they're trying to defend themselves against Putin, who wrongfully, you know, who annexed, you know, Crimea, which is why he got booted out of the G8 now. And it's like, and that was a big thing, like in the last year. He bragged about all these weapons we were going to be selling Saudi Arabia. And then Congress said, no, you're not. And then he said, yeah, I'm going to do it anyways. And the sale moved forward. If we're selling them all these weapons, why are we now sending people over there? Why are we now sending you know, milita- military aid to Saudi Arabia, the richest nation in the world? They own us. You know what I mean? Why are we sending aid to them? Either way. Because they own us. <laughs> I answered answered my question before I asked it. Either way, yeah, literally takes my... So, uh, right after this show... Why don't they pick their own cotton? I mean, (laughs) right there. Right there. Why do they need our help? I'm I'm pretty much going to go to the rickety stool and rope store right after Sold out, baby. Sorry. (laughs) Did you get the last one? I bought the whole damn thing. You want some rickety stools and ropes, you're going through me. Oh. So on that happy note, here's the defunct sponsor of the week. Week after week, the Cape Crusader copes with the tricky traps of vicious villains. Will the time arrive when the Cape crime fighters come too close to the jaws of death? Holy metronome, what a fate. Punched in the player piano rolls. Watch Batman in color on ABC. All right, back into sport, or back to sport, or to sport. We've already talked Gotta about... Gotta get back to sport! Uh, I, I'm enjoying. No one told you No, that was, that was okay. my sting. Um, so, you know, you want to talk more about 1930 football movies, or do you want to talk about the 11 days of awfulness that was the Antonio Brown saga oh. and 
Patriot Land. Um, First of all, let's let's recap last week's or, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, a uh, week two of the Patriots versus um, what used to be the Miami Dolphins. Wow, um, I, we mock or I mock, and I don't get it. Like I'm not. We talked about the NCAA already. Every year, all of these big schools, Oklahoma, Michigan State, they always play one or two games against a team they're going to win by 40 points. And you're like, why the fuck play the game? Literally, why play the game? Why embarrass that other team that bad? So the Patriots two weeks ago, they were favored by 19 and a half going into Miami. Um, And uh, they... More than doubled that point spread. <laughs> Miami week one lost 59 to 10. 59 to 10 to the Ravens. Week two, they lost by a lesser margin of that. They only gave up 43 points, so 16 points better on defense, but uh, zero points on the scoreboard. Zero. And the Patriots didn't play great. Like the first the first quarter was like seven nothing. And Couple missed opportunities. Uh, the Patriot kicking woes continued a little bit with a missed field goal, a forty-eight yarder. So it's not a give me, but two missed extra points. So it could have been worse. But then this past Sunday they played the Jets at home, and it's the first time in NFL history Dallas went into Miami a twenty-point favorite, and the Jets come to New England, you know, a twenty-point underdog. That I think it's maybe only second or third time in NFL history that two teams were underdog by 20 points. And it's it's like college now where teams, the haves and have-nots. You know, there are five or six great teams in the NFL. There are five or six pretty okay teams in the NFL. And then there are maybe 15 teams in the NFL that truly save the travel costs. Like why – you know Miami is tanking, and they're tanking on purpose. You know, why even bother to fucking play the games? And, and it's got to just be discouraging because, you know, they've been outscored at home their first three games by about 140 points, you know. And, and so the Jets, you know, starting quarterback gets mono because of Bill Belichick. We talked about that a great deal. Uh, and then last week in their, in their Monday night game, they lose their second string quarterback. So the Jets came into, we're saying this two days, uh, we're saying this 23 hours before kickoff or 22 hours before kickoff. I'm assuming that the Patriots covered the 21 point you know, spread. Now, they had Antonio Brown when the point spread came out and it was 22 point spread. It's dropped to 21. <laughs> so, and let's talk about Antonio Brown, please. So Antonio Brown, I was pretty clear I didn't want him. He's a shitty person. Um, great receiver, yes, but there's a reason the Steelers said, "Yeah, fuck you." We, you, you know, it's like w- you're the best receiver in football. We'd rather lose without you than win with you. Goodbye. Goes to Oakland, and then uh, the whole, bo- you know, Patriot myth about him coming here and them turning him around. And yeah, his within 24 hours, all these allegations came out, and we talked about them. You know. Um, and I think I was pretty clear. Don't play him. You don't need him in Miami. Like, use the week to say he's not up to speed, doesn't know the playbook yet. And, and not in a bad way. It's like he's only had two practices. You didn't need him. You didn't. You never needed him on the field to win that game. You know, he caught four passes for 60 yards and a touchdown pass. Great. But you forced you forced him the ball. You know, he was four for eight. Um, you know, you didn't need him. And, of course, 
within the next four or five days, more allegations from more people, but his own bullshit of inappropriate texting things that the team had to tell him to pull down a couple times, you know. Um, that little lawsuit from the doctor who he farted and hit the doctor's face. But but that is one of those things where Adrian Brown, uh, Antonio Brown instantly put out a tweet exchange between them after that where he apologized. The doctor was like, oh, it was funny. You know, it's no big deal, blah, blah, blah. Just pay me. It he, was, didn't, he didn't get paid. He didn't, he, he, wait, he's suing him for not paying. So when he added, he farted in my face, which he literally did. He's a shitty person. Yeah. And, you know, it, it doesn't help that the videotape is... <laughs> he, he, well, then he put out yeah. there. He, he Instagrammed it thinking it was hilarious. Right. But then, uh, you know, um, but every day, like, so he, he has a picture of himself in the background, um, uh, uh, what, a collage of different newspaper articles, you know, and he's like, ignore the noise. And it's him in front of it. And it was like, Antonio Brown does this, Antonio Brown does that. But it's like, great allocations. It's like, really, you, of all the, if you want to put your negative press in there that you show that you're blocking out the noise. Warts and all. Maybe don't put the that headline. Right. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but at least he tagged the Patriots in it. And so, you know, the Patriots, within seconds, somebody said, uh, yeah, fucking pull that down. Of course, there's no pulling things down once you put it on Instagram or Twitter. Um and then, you know, he also he had tweeted something else out that the team's like, yeah, that's kind of, no, don't do that. Uh, they wouldn't let him talk to the press. In Miami, same thing. He was out of the locker room. He, he, the post-game celebration, he wasn't part of it. They got him right off the field. Maybe he showered somewhere else, but he was. they even took his nameplate down to get him out so he wouldn't have to face the media. And then every day, every fucking day in the 11 days with the, with the Patriots, Every day, something else came out. And do you play him? Do you believe him? Do you verify it? Do you, it's a civil suit. Do you sit him because of that? Or does it cause a bad precedent? And as we said, you got the get out of Antonio Free card by saying he just got here. He's not ready. You know, he's going to be next week. It's going to be great. But he only practiced twice. There was no reason to put him in. And just like we said, it's like either this blows up next week or he. You know, it goes away, but something else will come up. And of course, another allegation came out. A, a woman in Sports Illustrated, there was a the, the doctor and a bunch of other people. Yeah. This is how he stiffed me in business. He owes me this. You know, and one painter described something. She's not suing him. She's not filing charges. She's like, this happened. And I walked away from doing this job because of this is who he is. And he. Text he 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 texts his lawyer and two of his boys. She's on the text chain. Yeah, he doesn't say anything to her, but it's like, you know, she's broke, she's jacked up, you know, she she has all these kids. We should investigate her and find out what dirt she has out there. It's like, I mean, Donald Trump's a real piece of shit. No, Wait, oh no, no, this is Antonio Brown. Oh, which I, yes, okay, but but you're not. I see what you're saying is. Very similar, right? He, intimidation, witness tampering, and 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 that woman's lawyer takes takes the text messages, calls the NFL, and says, and to the NFL's credit, they're like instantly they're like, this is serious. Thank you for sending this. We're going to investigate this instantly, and they did. And it was an old phone. It's not his current phone number, but it's another phone. And basically, he said, "Yeah, that's mine." And so nobody knows exactly what happened on Friday, but on Thursday after practice, they let him address the media. They, they, four questions from his locker. 
you know, answered all of them. The Patriot locker room talk. The locker room, <laughs> the locker room, the, the Patriot like answer questions without questions. Like, what do you think about these rape allegations? You know, thank you for asking me that question. It's important, but right now we're focusing on the Jets. You know, yeah. so and then on Friday, Bill Belichick has to have his press conference before practice. Tom Brady has his press conference before practice. He practices, and then they cut him after practice. And it was, was it the 5 o'clock news dump? Yeah. Or was it they talked to him after practice and said, hey, you can't do this stuff. And does he say, fuck that, I can do it. I'm defending myself. You know, I have to protect. Whatever. Did, did the conversation go sideways? And then they say, you know, fuck it, you're just done. You know, now here, here's the worst part as a Patriot fan. We have that on our record. That is part of our resume. That is part of our legacy. It was only 11 days. It, it's not going to be the biggest stain we have. It blows over in a few weeks. But he played a game for us. He caught a touchdown pass. He is on the list of 73 people who caught touchdown passes for Brady. He will get a Super Bowl ring. He is eligible. Is he? I think you have to play or be on the roster for... A certain amount of time. Okay, I think he, I do, yeah, like like the guy and like again, they took the drunk driving guy from Arizona, Floyd, a couple years ago, and he played like six or seven games or five or six games, and he got a ring. He didn't play in the Super Bowl, but he got a ring. Yeah, there are pieces of shit who got a ring, uh, but that one game that he played, he did play. You know, he he might end his career as a Patriot. You know, that one game will live on. It's fucking awful. I mean. Tom Brady having say his house and Instagramming it out and really welcoming him in and you know all that stuff and and Bill really wanted him and it's just an embarrassment it was there was never going to be an upside now yes there was a picture last week that went around and it showed the Patriots went with one play with five wide receivers and it's fucking scary I I mean it is scary it was Josh Gordon on one side Brown on the other um, you know Dobson uh, uh, you know who's who's Great, you know, Jules and James White. Uh, five lined up. It was like Bird, McHale, Magic. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like five absolute awesome targets. I meant to say Mark. And, and, and I knew, and he had uh, somebody like um, um, photoshopped a goat's head on Brady's body. And you're like, 19 to 0 is, is you, you, can, you can have this conversation now. You still can have the conversation. It's less likely, it's more. 14 and 2, 13 and 3. Um, you're going to play KF, you know, KFC. You're going to play KC most likely in the AFC finals. Uh, and, 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 and honestly, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I said it on this. It's like, yes, I want 19 0. Yes, I want a seventh ring. I don't know if I want it with him. And I'm glad that that's been taken off. And as a Pats fan, even though he played one game, he counts 4 million against the salary cap this year. Fun fact. <laughs> Five million against the count next year. Oh, like he cost nine. That one game cost nine million dollars, and we said it from day one. What are the odds that him and Gibbs uh, and, and, and Gordon finish the season? So, anyways, that's Patriot talk. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I did want to talk a couple of Eli Manning. Um, so he's been benched after the first two games, and he went zero and two. Uh, he's probably his career's over. He he won't waive his no trade clause. He says he's ha- he's not happy, but he's going to be a great backup. He's going to be supportive to the team and do what he can and be ready for us to go in. He ends his career if this is it uh, at one sixteen and one sixteen. And people are like, if he retired last year, he 
plus 500, you know, mm-hmm. barely over 500. And it's funny, I'm not even going to mention his name, but one of the Patriot Brady haters went on the national talk shows and people will put him on. I don't know why they put him on talking about how Eli is better. And in one big game, because Eli beat him twice, Eli did beat him twice. I have to say that. And I, it hates me to say it. Eli was a Super Bowl MVP two times. One time he scored 21 points. One time he scored 17 points. He scored 17 points. The Giants defense held at the time the highest scoring offense in the history of football to 14. But you can't give the MVP trophy to 12 people on defense. You can't give it to the defensive coordinator. You can't give it to Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin beat the Patriots. Their defense beat the Patriots. Eli Manning didn't lose the Super Bowl. He didn't throw a he he was in the first game through two touchdowns and one interception. But he didn't throw an interception late for a pick six like his brother does. Eli had two great Super Bowls. He had two good Super Bowls. Great Super Bowl, I'll say it. Two great runs. Never won another playoff game. In 16 years, he had two seasons in which he won playoff games. 14 years. He didn't make the playoffs nine out of 16 years. More than half the time, he didn't make the playoffs. And four times, he went one and done. The only time he won playoff games is those two years. Um... And then pe- and the the other arg- so the argument was like, well, he beat you know he beat Tom Brady in those two games. It's like, you know, Tom Brady won six times so far in counting. You know, Tom Brady's won thirty. Tom play Tom Brady has played forty playoff games, which is more than twenty seven teams uh, in the NFL have played it. More than twenty seven franchises. He wins one more game, he will have more win than twenty. Six NFL, just t- or twenty-seven NFL franchises. But yeah, but go ahead and say that. And then the argument of is he a Hall of Famer because he's seven all-time in touchdown passes. He's played two hundred and fifty games. You know he's going to have those numbers. He's thrown six most yards. Well, he's played two hundred and fifty games. He's going to have those numbers. But here's <laughs> he's never finished in the top five in any statistical categories. It's longevity, you know, because they, they should have got rid of him five years ago, four years ago. Uh, think about that. He won that second Super Bowl in 2011. It's 2019. He's not won a playoff game since 2011. And he's held on to his job because he's a Manning, because New York liked him. Never top five touchdowns, never top five yards, never top five any category except – Interceptions. <laughs> you know, he's finished number one in interceptions two or three times in the top five, like five or six times. So is he going to get in the Hall of Fame? Of course he is. He played in New York, A. He's a Manning, too, you know. And yes, he's won two Super Bowls, you know. Um, Those two Super Bowls are like Al Bundy's four touchdowns in one game. Paul Kai. That's right. You know, you, you can't say it unless you do the pose. You have to. There you go. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to stop talking about sports now. Okay. You know. Because uh, what do you want to talk about now? I want to talk about this is your show. I'm just here for the ride, baby. And, and this chips. is all you. Random video game. Well, before we get to that, gaming. Anything this week besides? Yes. Well, oh, yes. look at you. I'm sitting back. Uh, let me let me get my soda. Uh-huh. Let me get a few M and M's. Sit back and relax. A little ASMR for you. This is <laughs> this is me talking in my voice of I don't know what I'm talking. About. Anyways, so I did pick up a new game. Uh, it's a new old game. It's a remake of an old Game Boy game. It's a favorite among Nintendo fans. And it's a game called The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. They put it out for the Switch. 
it, it's 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 a game that's was well loved. It changed things about Zelda that uh, had it introduced things to Zelda that hadn't been introduced before, like uh, characters and stuff. Uh, it took it's a game that takes place in sort of a dream world instead of like Hyrule, which is the land in which Link and and Zelda reside. This is like um, an island that Link lands on after being, you know, uh, knocked unconscious on a ship one day, and he wakes on this island. Long story short, fun game. Uh, kids nowadays get to play a revised version. This is like built from the ground up, like it's modern graphics. It's it's essentially the same layout and gameplay as the original Game Boy game, but it's just updated graphics and sounds and music and all that. So I'm playing that and I'm boring you. And uh, how much was it? It was sixty dollars, but I paid thirty because I used my Best Buy rewards. Isn't that exciting? It, it is. It is indeed. Now let's talk about my preparing for my taxes next year. <laughs> Another <laughs> exciting topic. You know what? You could probably write off a lo- all your game playing because of the podcast. Yes. Think about it. Have I'll, you thought about it? I have not. Think about it now. No. Are you thinking about it? No. All right. I'm not thinking. I don't, I, I'm just I, telling you. I don't like to think. It hurts. So, hurts to think. Another day. Another almost PS4 purchase. Um, little guy's birthday was the other day broke down and have finally got him a headset with some very stringent rules for using the headset, um, which he instantly broke. <laughs> so he lost the headset. Um, so he got to play the rare time he got to play during the week on his birthday, and that was Thursday. Um, played. system kept crashing, but only when he was playing Fortnite. And then I went down on Friday, and I'm like, fine, I'll look at it. And it was stuck in safe mode. I have to watch a YouTube video of how to get it out. And it's like, here's one place to, you know, when you boot it up the, the certain way to get the secret screen to come up. Yeah, with like the you hold down buttons or something. Right. And there's like, well, here's six different options. Try these four first before going to DEFCON 5. <laughs> you know? We had to go to DEFCON 5, and it was like factory reinstall. Wipes everything Ooh. out. Wipes everything out. And... You know, I tried everything. I downloaded the new update on a flash drive, but it wouldn't read it. You have the weirdest luck with PlayStation. You know, oh, you, or you're just beating them into death. Well, that's what it is. I mean, they get moved upstairs, downstairs, take them on trips. Yeah. You know, he gets in trouble, and I unplug it and I hide it for a week. You know what I mean? It gets locked away. You shouldn't so. put it in the freezer though. That's I re- no, you should, probably should. It's actually good to put like that was one of the old freezer. things with like hard drives. You oh. would put them in freezers. Yeah, that's it. I am a fucking idiot. Go on. Um, but so I did everything. Luckily, luckily, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, you know, this is kind of good. You know, the only game I played in a while is Back to Resident Evil Five, and I can't, I can't for a fourth time go through the whole thing and build up. You know, Wait a second, didn't you? You have a PlayStation Plus account, right? I do. So luckily. All of your save All files, save are in the files cloud. came in the cloud, and I didn't know that, you know, because when it booted up, it's like, <laughs> fun fact. I don't know. What, what am I? Well, you tell me. What am I paying for for the plus? Like twenty five bucks, or no? It's like sixty. I pay. I pay like sixty a year or something. Like that. So that's what it is. So I'm paying that. Yeah, I'm only using one percent of the cloud. So when I saw that, I'm like. Oh, that means there's nothing there. Yep. So luckily, all of his Fortnite stuff was there, and all of my 
Resident Evil 5. I don't know if everything else is because I don't play anything. And I, I've really cut back to almost nothing. This um, this whole having a life of working and the boys doing five sports now and eight different directions all at the same time have kind of kiboshed on that. But like all they used that. used to call that living. They used to call it living. Um, I, I my, my job now is, you know, like every parent with active kids, like just full-time Ubering them from point A to point Z. Um, luckily, nothing matches at the same time. So it's getting in a car with both of them, driving 20 miles in one direction, dropping one off, driving 30 miles in the opposite direction, dropping the other one off, speeding back to get the first one, speeding back to get the second one, and then taking them over here. Um, you know, you can save a lot of gas by making one of them walk. I, you know, or or just going to the fire station and dropping them off. <laughs> I mean, Do honestly, they make bassinets that big? Yeah, no. Um, I... I uh, I've thought of it, I, you know, because you know, I, I, I'm not a good person. And it's like, and, and then this past week, you know, the oldest one started water polo. Fucking, we live in Massachusetts, and and this is where we're gonna live in California for 21 years. Never saw a water polo event. Now I'm sitting at this place, and I'm like, real, you know. But he likes it. It's you know, it's great for him. He gets out of the pool, you know, just exhausted, which is what you want. Anyways, um, so not really playing, but there's something wrong with his Fortnite game that it's it it's keeps crack the Fortnite keeps crashing i think that had something to do with it do you have a hard like disc do you have an actual disc no backup? oh it's all electronic yeah yeah i don't i don't think there is a Fortnite disc i think it's oh, right. only downloaded I'm a, you know I'm a fucking no you know, it's, it's so now and it's like you know so it's his birthday with the other day and it's like and then today so give him a 25 dollar gift card you know on top of the new controller the new headset and all this he downloads whatever and now it's batman day and all this new batman stuff and he's like well can i get more feedbacks i'm like oh it's bad yes. <laughs> you know it's like fuck <laughs> and i always remind him it's like so how much does this free game cost me <laughs> so Back to taking them to the fire station and dropping them off. They know questions asked, you know. I have called UCLA Medical Center where they were both born before, and I'm like, I've lost a receipt, but what is your return policy, you know? Uh, side thing that just popped into my head. So I also saw a trailer for a new game that came out on the Nintendo Switch. It's a digital download called Untitled Goose Game. And it's a game where you play as a goose, and your sole purpose is to fuck with people. Like, you know, there's a, you're a goose and you're walking around and there's like a kid, like a 10 year old kid or something like holding a, um, a toy airplane. And as the goose, you want the toy airplane. So you have to tug on his shoelace so that it becomes untied so that he bends down to tie it and puts down the airplane and you take the airplane and then he chases after you. And then he falls down on his face and his glasses fall off. So then you take his glasses. What is this on? What, uh, what, on what Nintendo platform? Switch. And it's called Untitled Goose Game. And it looks fucking, just fucking silly and awesome. And I'm like, I don't know how much money that they're going to take out of my wallet, but, but here, I won't here miss go. it. No. <laughs> uh, so I might, I might be downloading that as I, well. I, I, I might be playing a Switch game. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a goose and I'm fucking with people. Um, it would be only be better if it were, you could play as the Aflac duck like that. <laughs> that I would. Duck? Yes, Sorry. exactly. Oh, OG Aflac duck. Are there others? Except no imitations. So Jacques decided to um, get up off his sweet ass 
and pull a game off of the shelf for no apparent reason. That isn't my Nintendo Entertainment Collection for this week's insufferable random video game review. And my eyesight is getting poorer, but it looks like it's... If I'm a betting man, I'm betting that this is a an M game. No, isn't it an M game? Let's see. Let's see. What is this? Not Little Mermaid. It's, it might be an L game. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to say it's uh, It's not Little Mermaid, and it's not Lunar Pool. Uh, uh, is it Lunar Pool? <laughs> he gave me a look when I said it's not. It is. I thought I was looking at it. I can't see so good. Lunar Pool. Made by FCI. Uh, it's like pool, but on the moon, man. Um, I um, I played this game, I think, a little bit. It's, I guess, a very decent pool game. Have you ever played a pool game on a video game system before? Ever in your life? Have you I seen one? I love stuff, but, you know. Like, they have, like, the overhead shot of a pool table and the setup, and then you have to aim... The stick, and then it draws like a little dot, like a dotted line as to where the your ball is going to go and the trajectory. The, the few times I play pool in my head, I see it as a video game, and I see the line and right. stuff. Like um, it, it, it doesn't help. I'm uh, I'm not good at sport, <laughs> but you're great at math, and that's really all it is is geometry. I mean, that's all. It's geometry and physics, and um, I think a little chemistry. Maybe some botany, but you know, <laughs> I'm getting off the point. But Lunar Pool, I guess, I'm assuming that this is a decent pool game for whoa, Nintendo. Whoa. You're guessing? Yeah, because I haven't played it. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but at least you own it. So according to Pat Contry's book, Ultimate Nintendo, Lunar Pool is a three-and-a-half-star game, not too shabby. This fun and interesting spin on the classic pool game features oddly shaped tables with interesting angles and adjustable friction, and apparently it takes place on the moon. The goal is the goal in single player mo- mode is to sink all the balls before progressing to the next table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, lunar pool. It's uh, and the yeah the, the cover art is nice in the '80s. Uh, actually, the person who wrote this recap, his name's Ian. He um, he said that the cover art comforts me. It's nice to see that in a future where we all wear tight spandex and live in a, live in space, that a simple game of pool is still a common way to unwind. Uh, and if you didn't already own this gem, what do you think you'd be shelling out for it, Joseph? Well, let's see. Now that this podcast is dropped, I'm sure the price is going to skyrocket. <laughs> but as of this recording, I'm going to say the Lunar Pool would probably send me back Eight American dollars. Yeah, well, with shipping, we got four ninety five and another two bucks for shipping. So you know, yeah, a close ballpark. Actually, yeah, five, that's about seven bucks. Yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't say if it's Canadian or not. So you know, it has a dollar but, sign but they, next you know, to it. What they have dollar signs? Yeah, but they put the C next to it if it's Canadian. That's Celsius. Oh yeah. What? Right. <laughs> all right. So we are done with all of this. Um, no, there's more. Did you watch anything this week? Did I? Well, big ears, we, big ears, big ears. <laughs> what is big ears, big ears, big ears? Oh, uh, you know, guy comes home from from World War One, and you know he he uh, 
Oh, Mike breaking he loses, into... he loses an eye, and you know they have like you know they don't have glass eyes at a time, so they have a, a fake wooden eye in there, and there's a big dance, and you know he's he's really shy, and this pretty girl keeps looking at him, and his buddies keep saying, "Go dance with her, go dance with her." Oh no, no, I can't. Blah blah blah. You know he goes, "Well, what if she makes fun of my eyes?" It's like, well, you know she's not perfect, and she kind of is, but they're like, "Ah, uh, look at her, her, her ears are big," and so he conjures up the nerve, and he walks on over. And says, hey, would you like to dance? Would I? Big ears, big ears, big ears! <laughs> That's like the oldest one I think I tell. So Hi, welcome to Carnival Personnel. <laughs> so I think every time, you know, when I hear, would, would I? I, I, I it's, it's like the third grade. I instinctively yell, big ears, big ears, big ears! Yeah. We might not need to do a sideshow about all the things that we instinctively say when we say when we hear other things said. Like we can't say the number nine anymore. Nine <laughs> cigarette mind fewer? Nine. Or if uh, you know, when I'm when I'm leaving a room, I when I turn off the light, I have to go click. <laughs> uh, anyway. So what am I watching? What you have say? you watched? Well, I watched the Great Hack, the de- the depressing documentary on Netflix, <clears throat> but it's worth a watch. Um, I was telling you before the podcast that last weekend I sat down with my 19-year-old son uh, and we watched uh, two classics. A, Cla- uh, Claddy, Caddyshack, and B, Superbad. Um, Superbad got a lot more laughs out of my, um, my, my kid, but uh, actually deservedly so because it's a little bit of a funnier movie. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, laughs per minute, you know. There's a dry humor that comes with Caddyshack. There's sort of like a nostalgic humor, you know, like, oh, that's the way they used to act in those days, and that's the way... And it's Rodney Dangerfield, and, you know... Uh, uh, now, now, I got time out for a sec. No, this is the same son who watched Where's Rodney with us the week before. How did he react to Rodney Dangerfield and, and Caddyshacks? And did you let him know this was his first acting gig? Did, I think I did. I think I mentioned that he was... He thought he was bombing on the set because after every take, he would do his routine and he'd be like, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting killed out there." He kept the, he, he thought kept, he was going to get fired. No, he thought he was going to get fired because nobody was laughing at his jokes. And Harold Ramis had to pull him aside and say, uh, "Rodney, it's uh, kind of gauche to laugh on a set during re- filming." Um, but no, don't worry, the jokes are funny. But he um, he liked it. He 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 really. Um, he he enjoyed like he laughed at like every pretty much like every zinger Roddy Dangerfield um, had like especially during the like the the dinner scene. <laughs> it must have been something before electricity. <laughs> do you want to do? Give me your top twenty lines from <laughs> Caddyshack. No, and again, anytime, it, it, inflectively, it's one of those things. Anytime somebody says, "Oh, you have a pool at your house," I'm like, "Yep, yeah, pool pond." pond. Pond's good for you, the yeah. nice fresh spring water. Uh, totally improvising. It, 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 all right. We've talked about it before, but I'm obligated to talk about it again. They hated each other. Mm-hmm. Like Fist, w- they, 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 they came to fisticuffs, and I actually heard uh, recently they re-aired the interview that uh, he uh, Chevy Chase did with Howard Stern back in 2006 or seven or something like that, maybe 2008, where he talks about coming back to host SNL and John Belushi, um, building up in Bill Murray's head, basically made up shit about 
Chevy Chase and how he was a piece of shit and how he disrespected the cast and all this stuff. So already Bill Murray not knowing really what happened with Chevy Chase that first season on Saturday Night Live, which was essentially nothing. Like, I don't know what... There was some bug up John Belushi's ass. Uh, or it was Coke. I forget what was up his ass. But, uh, yeah, so when Chevy Chase came back to host later in, like, I think it was 679. Season two. Yeah. Uh, was it season two? I think so. Wow, it was, like, really, like, right after. So so Chase was on the first season, not on the second. Yes. And Murray replaced him. Right. Right. And, but according to the story, it was, like, like 78 or 79. Okay. And, yeah, they, they, like, before air in the dressing room, they had, you know, come to, to blows, essentially. Words were said. And, yeah, so, but then... Fast forward another year, they're uh, cast simultaneously in Caddyshack, and they realized that they didn't have a scene together because maybe by design or no, whatever. One hundred percent. Because if you go back and it's on YouTube or wherever you find, you know, where you find your fine SNL clips, <laughs> um, when Cherry Chase comes out to do the monologue, he has a goose egg on his forehead where Bill Murray punched him, literally knocked him down with a punch. And uh, so they're doing this movie. It's on the heels of Fletch. It's on the heels of Stripes. They are the number one and number two comedic actors going. It, it, there's no, they're, they're running away with it. Yeah. They have both come off huge. And I think it's Fletch or it's w- something. The like, Caddyshack was 1980. So, so Fletch, they Fletch, both. Fletch was like 83. Okay. So whatever he had done, we'd have to go back and look. But they both had done movies outside of it that had done really, really well. Bill Murray, I think, did Meatballs. Which is great. Meatballs right. too. Not, not so not, much. Not so much. But I think he'd done Meatballs, and okay. Chevy Chase had done, like, I think, uh, the, uh, there wasn't the big breakout movie. No, no, he had done something. Okay. Well, I, I'd have yeah. to look. Right, right. We'll do a, we'll do a sideshow right, on it. Right, anyways. And, uh, and, no, there wasn't a scene. And the studio called Ramus and said, we can't, you have the fucking number one and number two comedic actors, and they're not in a scene together? Make a scene. Make a fucking scene. And so, and, and they hated each other. They were never on set at the same time. Um, different shoot days, and, and you've seen the documentary. I mean, it was a nightmare shoot. Torrential rains; it kept getting rained out. It was like a six-week shoot that ended up taking like four months. Yes, um, they, one would have to leave. Like so, Bill Murray. Maybe I forget what Bill Murray was shooting, but they only had him for four days or five days. Every piece of footage shot that has Bill Murray is. In the movie. There was no... Editing room. Yeah. yeah. There was no cutting room floor. The cutting room floor was Bill Murray free. And a lot of it, a lot of his scenes were just, just the hole where he's hitting the flowers. It's you know, in the hole. That that's, that's not in the script. Cinderella story. And so they're like, well, fuck it. We have to have a scene. And so... And that scene is great. It's a quintessential scene. It's like... It's almost a career-defining scene between the two of them. They never talked between takes. They never talked before or after. It was just like... Improvised, on the spot. They're in the zone. They're on film. They're being watched. They're being paid. And they're being professional. And, uh, man, it's it's one of the best scenes. Just, right. just one of the best scenes. Now, if we can only get De Niro and Al Pacino in the same... F- Room. It kills me that they're not in the same scene. They didn't shoot the end scene in heat. 
<laughs> it's edited it together. Is, you know. Um, anyway, so so yeah, so it's funny that your son had watched <coughs> Where's Rodney with us last week. Yeah. And then Caddyshack and then Super Bad, funny movie. Great I mean, movie. You gotta rewatch it. McLovin, stop him. <laughs> and um oh, his fake ID, isn't he like 40? It's like whatever. <laughs> right. It is. Hawaii <laughs> license. Um and by the way, uh Google what he looks like now. Um not too shabby. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. and it grew out of it. Um, and then the other thing I watched, which I almost texted you about, but I didn't want to... I already depressed you with the great hack text. I didn't want to depress you with the ABC special on Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah, no. It was, like a, it was a two-hour thing. It was called The Last Days of Phil Hartman. The first hour was like a mini-biography leading up to like... It, the murder suicide. <laughs> yeah, the murder suicide. And the out the last hour was basically like the 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 last week of like, and it, they had interviewed um, Andy Dick and uh, Julia Sweeney, um, a couple of other people like uh you know a couple of other people who have worked with Phil Hartman like the Al Jean and Mike Reese from The Simpsons uh, did, did their uh, things and um yeah it was uh I, I've actually I recorded it and I fell asleep towards the end because I think I willed myself to sleep because I didn't want to see that. He was shot in his sleep. Are you sure that was the way you wanted to go? I don't want a gun. (laughs) Um, You don't. Right. (laughs) He didn't either. I know. But uh, apparently, you know, he he, the the first part of the uh, documentary or whatever you want to call it uh, basically touched on his first two marriages and how he was, you know, one of those guys who loved to fall in love, loved to like you know tie the knot, be a serial monogamist, but then immediately like, it's all about the work to, and like and escaping like you know buying his toys and you know his boats and whatever and f- planes. He had like a private plane, and yeah, he would just sort of like skeet out a lot of relationships, um, and become very. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, enjoy that for a moment. <laughs> 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 that wash over, like that sink in. Okay, go on. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, yeah, so like when 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 he, when he met his his uh, last wife, Bryn. Um, yeah, they, they talk they talk about how she wanted to be an actress and this and that and you know uh, they had her brother being interviewed and I, from what I understand, he kind of half defends her. In the final part of the special, which I didn't see, but I kind of read about, and it's one of those things. Where it's like the, the poor guy; like he can't come to terms with the fact that, yeah, his his sister had emotional issues, psychological issues, mental issues. Well, and, you already said she wanted to be an actress, so yeah, right. I pretty much. <laughs> but then you know, obviously, she's um, she had a drug addiction problem as well, which didn't help things. And um, but he can't come to the terms come to terms with the fact that, yeah. She ended up being a murderer, you know, and um, yeah, so kind of a downer, and I and I wanted to share that with our listening. Audience. And this is after after you watch the Cambridge Analytica thing, right? I did it, yes. And I you're did. still with us today. You know what? Um, I I'm just a I'm just a coward. I'm too afraid to. to uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, well, me. So I already told you like last weekend. Um, I watched those two 1930 football movies. Obsessed with the Patriots this week and the Antonio Brown thing and all that stuff. So this week, the rare time I had to sit and watch something, it was just me. Um, I needed a break. So I watched 
the first ever Monday night football game from September 1970. I watched it in its entirety. I think I sent you a screen grab. I was like, fuck you, NFL Network. It describes the game and it says, and Joe Namath and the Jets come up short against the Cleveland Browns. I'm like, a fucking spoiler alert. <laughs> you know? uh, I did watch the whole game. Uh, I did. I did. I, I tweeted like at the NFL Network during watching the game. I'm like, this is great, but where's the yellow line to tell me where the first down marker is? Uh, it was interesting to see a football game um, with um, without those lines, without. But the the can't. With all the bells and whistles of games you see today, I think the only thing that kind of I think I missed was not having the score and the clock. You know, yeah. that 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 was it. No. Right, because when they did by the way, I like when the the old-time Chiron effects of like posting the scores because they're basically superimposing like a real scoreboard onto the screen. And it's all kind of bleeding over each other. The tech like, you know, the text is right, right. not exactly the clearest thing to read. Um and it takes up half the screen. And it was it was Dan Deerdorf. Dan Deerdorf. Dust um uh Dandy Dan. Uh, right, Dandy. No, it was John Meredith. Sorry, Don sorry, Don Meredith. Don Meredith, yeah. Um, it was um, Harwood Cosell. And O.J. Simpson. No. Oh, no. <laughs> O.J. Simpson was... Uh, Later. I think he was at UCLA at the time. I think no, he was 1970, st- right. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was playing in the NFL yet. I don't think he came to the NFL like 76 with the Bills. Oh, God. Um, no, but it was great. It was really great. It's killing me. I can't think of the third guy. Oh, it wasn't Frank Gifford. Because no, he, he, no he was still playing. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but it was great. And, you know, Namath is another one. Namath, going back to like Eli, shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Namath won a huge game. Namath's game, the the Jets, and I'm sideboring, because this was a year after the Super Bowl that he won. Super Bowl three, um, you know, Namath, uh, you know, again, uh, he didn't lose that game. He played, he played fine, uh, but it was a huge upset. It, it legitimized the AFC. It legitimized the NFL. It's probably one of the most important games ever played. It is. It's in the top five, probably the top three most important games ever played in NFL history. Um, other than that, he had a one touchdown to two interception ratio for his career. He was under 500 as a starter. Um, but it was. It was a great game. It was an interesting to see a game in which quarterbacks could get hit. <laughs> um, it was more passing than, you know, I mean, we, we kind of think of – you know, passing with the West Coast offense and really later years with the Montanas and the Bill Walsh and stuff like that. It it was great. I watched the whole game. I did. I watched, you know, uh, the little guy, the youngest guy stayed at work with mom. You know, the oldest guy was Saturday so he could play his game. So it was just me, a free Saturday night. And Howard Coast. You weren't over to watch failed sitcoms from the 80s and early 2000s. Uh, so I did. I enjoyed Monday Night Football in if they run it again, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Keith Jackson was the other. Keith Jackson, thank the you. The play-by-play guy. Thank you. But it he was, was great. It, it, that, it was only the first year. Frank Gifford come in the second year. Oh, okay. So yeah, good for you. I love watching old TV, man, and I love the that's best. the one great thing about the internet and technology now. It's just like that sort of like instant time travel to years past and and just yeah just sampling that sort of like fuzzy memory like i think this is what i remember about this certain thing that i saw on tv and then you go and you go oh yeah it's it's a lot worse than i remember <laughs> and, and it was monday night football and 
Um, Rich Eisen did the lead up to it. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about you know Howard, Howard Cosell being his idol. Talked about what a risk it was to put a game on primetime, to put a game on Monday night. It was a huge roll of the dice. And it unarguably went on to be one of the biggest TV shows for the next 40 plus years. I mean, Monday Night Football has the last decade been eclipsed by Sunday Night Football, which is why we already talked. ABC moved it to ESPN. Um, But it's still, I mean, it's such a part of our lives. But it was great to see the first one was a huge success. Um, it was it was great. I I do. It's on the NFL Network. They rerun the same thing sometimes. And it's probably on demand too. Yeah, highly highly recommend. You know, watching it start start to finish. All right. Or the Phil Hartman special. Either way. No. <laughs> or if you want to listen to our Phil Hartman special, dig back in our archives. We did a sideshow about Phil Hartman about what five years ago was it? Yes. Well, it was. It shocked the shit out of us because we're like, it was the 20th anniversary of his, of his demise. Yeah. You know, and we're like, no, that's. That's not possible. That yeah. it's impossible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what the reason was for this particular special on ABC, except for making me want to cry. <laughs> right. Um. Because it, it wasn't like a the twentieth anniversary. It was like the twenty one plus year. I don't know. So so anyway, your parenting tip, other than watching classic comedy films with your oldest son, what would your parenting tip be? Um, I could tell you, but I'd rather you um. Read my book, <laughs> Parenting Tips for Parents Who Need Tips. Just a tip? Yes. Okay. But, you know, since you're giving away all your gold for free, why stop now? What's your parenting tip for this week? You know, um, kids' birthdays are special. Like our birthdays, you know, it's like I could not have worked harder to play down and not let anybody do anything for my 50th birthday. Um Thank you for obliging. And uh, but with the kids, you know, it's it's important to make them feel special on their birthday. It's also important to guilt them into knowing how much you spent on them and constantly remind them when they ask for something else how much you just spent on them the day before for their birthday. Maybe carry all receipts with you just to verify. So if they think you're just pulling numbers out of random, hand them the GameStop receipt. Hand them the Target receipt. Hand them whatever you have. Make sure that they know they're spoiled and ungrateful for what they have, and they're awful people for asking for more. Another bowl! <laughs> That's my parenting tip of the week. Well, you're also shortchanging them. The they got to put things in perspective. They have to see your bank account dwindling. And right. Show them the, the, the monthly bank statements. You know, uh, show them, you know, if you, if you have a... Um, uh, a pay stub, you know, show them, you know, here's what I make a week and here's what you spend a week. And if I could, you do pie chart and how that relates to them sucking your soul and will to live away, right? Might might be, you know, yeah, helpful yeah. in some way. Okay, you know, yeah, let's be creative here. You know, that's good. That's good. I like it. So, uh, so that's it. We will talk next week. Um, we will. We we will. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We will talk this Thursday. Ah, because today is the 80th anniversary of Batman. Um, or Friday was. Friday was last Friday. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, well, Saturday. Saturday. Wait, God damn it. What day were Look, we? Look, when you're talking? 80, you know, the, the, the whole week, the whole month is your birthday. I know, right. Why, why limit it to just one day? So if you want to know who my favorite Batman are and my favorite Batman movies and my favorite Batman villains and what I love about Batman, tune in for the four hour special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think the Constitution. <laughs> 
has this much wordage on, than the, the breakdown of this uh, sideshow. So anyways, thanks for listening. Carnival Podcast on social media. Who gives a shit, right? I don't uh, Opti Grabber. Uh, who cares? Me. Yeah. Uh, nobody cares. I do. I, I know. But you're nobody. But is there anyone listening who doesn't already know? <laughs> no, right. I was going to say, if you if you want to feedback, give feedback to the show, just text Jock. <laughs> like you normally do. Am I right, All-Star Tommy? Am I right, Biff? Am I right? Um, who am I missing out on? Um, John. John, yeah, John. Yeah. Our wives. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jacques, uh, don't forget... Uh, Try to think of what to say To maybe make you want to stay Something clever Something better Than wait So figure if we talk a while And I could maybe Make you turn around and stay